Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm very excited about today's show. Today, I'll be joined by Mark Schaefer and Tim McDonald. Mark is from the blog Grow, and Tim McDonald is from Huffington Post. And we're going to explore the value of blog comments. Should you keep them? Should you shut them down? That's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get into that interview, I have an awesome new discovery that I'd like to share with you right now. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. At Social Media Marketing World 2014, we decided to get more serious about the work that we did on Instagram. And if you use Instagram, one of the things you you probably know is that they don't really have a very good desktop-based uh, platform. All the awesome capabilities of Instagram, for the most part, live in the mobile app. Well, that's where the app Gram Feed comes in. Gram as in Telegram, G-R-A-M. F-E-E-D.com. What's really awesome about GramFeed is it allows you to do some really cool things. And I'll, I'll share with you kind of what we did. We put in our hashtag, which is pound SMMW14. And what GramFeed does is it shows you, really interestingly enough, first of all, a map of wherever you are in the world and where most of the photographs were being take, taken. And of course, our conference was in San Diego, so it doesn't surprise you to see that the vast majority of the people that Instagrammed were from San Diego. But interestingly enough, there was a ton of Instagrams coming from the eastern seaboard of the United States and the Boston kind of area, which doesn't surprise me either because a lot of people were probably taking pictures on their way there and on their way back coming from that part of the country. But what I love about Instagram and in particular, Gram Feed, is it allows you very easily to put in your hashtag and see the total number of, of updates or photographs that were taken. In this particular case, there was 3,200 plus. And I can scroll through here very, very quickly. And it shows me the picture, and then it shows me who took it. And of course, I can interact with all these pictures. Um, now, if you do not, if you do nothing but just do a search on a hashtag, you'll be limited in the number of photographs that it will allow you to see. But if you take it to the next level and create an account by logging in with your Instagram account, you can scroll through here and you can see all of the photographs for any particular hashtag. And you can just keep scrolling and they keep loading. And it's just a really good way if you want to kind of manage or maintain a hashtag or even monitor someone else's hashtag to keep to see kind of what the what the vibe was from a photographic local perspective. So I strongly recommend you check out Graham Feed and a little later I'll have some links to um, the exact feed that we have for Social Media Marketing World so you can see kind of what what everybody was doing. So with that, let's transition over to today's awesome interview with Tim McDonald and Mark Schaefer. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. 
I'm very excited to be joined today by Mark Schaefer and Tim McDonald. If you don't know who Mark is, he's a college educator and author of four books. His blog is called Grow, and his newest book is called Social Media Explained. Mark, welcome to the show. I'm so delighted to be here with you today. Awesome. I've also got Tim McDonald. He is the director of community at Huffington Post. He's also the founder of My Community Manager and a member of the Council for No Kids Hungry. Tim, welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here. Did I say that right? Uh, Social Council for No Kid Hungry. See, I know I'd get that wrong. Thank you, Tim. You almost got it perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, thank you both for joining me. Uh, Today, the three of us are going to explore blog comments. And there's been a lot of press about whether they're valuable, whether they matter, and whether you might even you might even be thinking, man, do I need blog comments anymore? Should I shut them down? Um, we're going to have a really interesting discussion on this today. And what's really cool about this dialogue is that we all have different experiences. Um, I've been blogging since 2006, and Mark and Tim since 2009, and. Um, you know, the Huffington Post is the largest blog in the world. Mark's blog is by no means small. Um, he's got one of the leading blogs in social and content marketing, has very active dialogue on his blog. And of course, Social Media Examiner has a, a big blog, by no means the size of Huffington Post. So we all have, you know, different experiences and come at this from a different angle. And um, I think it'll be an interesting dialogue. And just to give a little backstory, um, I don't know if you guys, you guys remember when Seth Godin decided to shut down his comments? It was a long time ago, right? Yeah, sure. It was like, I think at least 2009, if not earlier. And, and Seth, Seth is a personality and, um, Seth decided that he didn't, um, really care about comments so much. He cared more about just generating daily content. And that was kind of a bit of a shock to the industry when he did that. And, and most recently, um, a new shock came to the industry when copy blogger Brian Clark, who's a good friend of mine and a friend of Social Media Examiner, um, decided, along with his team, that they were going to shut down their blog comments. And of course, as a result of that, um, there's been a lot of interesting dialogue in the space, and I thought it'd be good for the three of us to talk through this. So, Mark, um, I'm going to start with you. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what what are the upsides for you and your business when it comes to to blog comments? Uh, we- well, first of all, you know, there are a lot of different business reasons behind blogs. So, I mean, I think every business needs to make their own decision about this. I think there, there probably are some very good economic reasons why copy blogger would make this decision. But for me, blog comments are an economic engine. Uh, the community that I have really leads to creating a lot of different business benefits, not just for me, but also for each other. So, New businesses have emerged from people who've met on my blog. From a personal standpoint, the people I get to know on my blog through this community, uh, they've become collaborators, they've become customers, they've become suppliers in some cases. Uh, So it's created a lot of economic value for me. The other thing I think that's particularly important on the social web is there's a lot of discussion bantied about around influence. I think this is really where influence takes place in the blog communities where you develop these strong links, these stronger relationships than the weak links that you might have on Twitter and Facebook. It's also an incubator for new content for me. I would say, Mike, that about a third of my blog posts 
come out of some comment that was left by somebody on my blog. Just you know, thought, well, geez, this is a great idea, and it, it turns into a post or maybe uh, a guest post. So there are a lot of great uh, benefits to this. I mean, I, in addition to the economic benefits, I just almost see this as a gift every day that people spend their time writing these comments lending their intellectual input to the blog. So there are a lot of good benefits I see from comments. You know, it's, I remember, you know, back in the day when, when comments were almost like the currency, that was the thing that everyone wanted, you know, mm. and I even wrote for copy blogger back in the day. And part of the reason I enjoyed writing for copy blogger was all the amazing feedback that I would get in comments. And, you know, part of me wonders are blogs, social media without comments. I'm curious to hear what, both of you think about that. I mean, like if you take the comment out of it, how is a blog any different than a print magazine? I don't know. What do you think? Tim, any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't think it's it's really that much different. And I think that's one of the things we've really seen um, as the amount of people and the amount of content that's out on the Internet now, it, it really is content. So what kind of separates that? Um, and so I don't know if there's a huge distinction when you just ask that question that way, that there is really that much of a difference if you don't have some form of, of engagement. Um, and I'm not saying that has to be comment. But it could be, or it could be the social sharing. Um, but there needs to be something going on that's really engaging the reader um, with the content, not just a static piece of content that's on a piece of paper. Mark, I know that you sometimes publish content that's a little controversial, and you're looking for dialogue, aren't you? Well, <laughs> some people think it's controversial. I just think it's common sense. <laughs> <laughs> but dialogue is part of that, isn't it? Well, it, it is. It is. And I mean, one of the things that, that I enjoy is thinking about what's next. And I, that's my favorite part of my job is, is, is coming up with a blog post thinking about, oh, look, we've got this trend over here and this trend coming this way and how do these things meet how do these things come together what are the implications of this and i think part of the power of blogging for me is not having all the answers but maybe just asking asking good questions and there's a lot of value in that for me i think it helps push the industry ahead by just getting people to talk about these things and think about these things and, and learn from each other. So you're right. I mean, I get a lot of value out of that. Well, you know, at Social Media Examiner, one of the things that one of the values that we have to have in comments is it allows people that read our detailed how-to articles to ask questions or to identify mistakes that are in the article or to... Um, you know, um, just express their appreciation. And that stuff can be really valuable when you're a blogger. And it's also been really valuable for us to be able to identify people that we ought to have on our radar. And there have been some people that yeah. comment almost every day on our blog. And they yeah. became part of our community. And that's kind of a key part of, you know, I think, um, what makes blogging unique. That's a good point, Mike. And, and I mean, I think that's kind of part of what I was saying, too, is that that's where you develop these strong links that really lead to business benefits. I mean, those uh, active commenters, they might become a writer for you. They might become a customer. They might attend one of your conferences because they love what you do. So, I mean, it Blog, the blog community I see for, for many businesses, for many bloggers, is the, the real economic driver. 
That's yeah, and I, w- I was going to say, I just, I, this is where I kind of need to disagree a little bit for where, we're, at least the way we look at it, because at one point in time, we experience the same thing. Um, and to a certain much lesser extent today, we still see the same thing. But with the amount of content and the amount of comments and the amount of, of commenters that we have on the site, one of the biggest challenges we have is we can't actually interact and engage with every single commenter. We can't actually sort through all their comments to surface up the best ones to become their own blogs. So it's really a matter for us at this point in time of looking at some of the most prolific commenters on our site and then working with them. And at that point, um, with the type of content and the type of commenters that we have, not all of them actually want to become bloggers. Some of them just enjoy being commenters. So we have a little bit different viewpoint with, I think, just the sheer size that we have and how we can actually manage and, and control all the all that content and comments that are coming through. Well, I think that I think that's an important point, and I mean, this conversation, of course, has been bubbling all around the web. And you know, someone asked me, said, "Oh boy, but the web is all about engagement, right? The all, the web is all about comments." And, and I said, "Look, would Elvis have a blog? Would Elvis be responding to every single person that comments on their blog? Of course not. There's a cost to that. There's a physical cost. There's an economic cost to that." So uh, I, I think you do, as Tim is saying here, I think very, very wisely that you do have to look at the, the, at the economics of this, of the business benefits of this. There is a cost to, an, to engagement. You can engage yourself broke. Uh, so you need to look at this in a smart business way. That's a great line, uh, lead up to my next question. You know, Tim, obviously you have a massive blog that you're responsible for. What are some of the challenges that you do face? Let's talk about like the dark underbelly of, of blog comments. <laughs> well, there's, <laughs> it is a big, big one. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's um, you know, it, it really is. I, I, I think the biggest thing that we have is how do we allow people to have this this capability to sh- share and express their thoughts on content, um, but uh, and have them appreciate the fact that commenting is, is standards are different than our editorial standards, and how can we actually moderate this in different languages, in different countries, in different time zones um, effectively? So it's it's really looking at, you know, at all these components and how we can automate some of this and how we actually still need to do some the old fashioned way by hand. And so there's no replacing a human when it comes to actually moderating a comment. Um, but we need to kind of find a balance between what, you know, what we can use technology for and combine that with what we're doing with, with people. Okay. So, I mean, let, let's get down to some of the, some of the, give some examples of some of the typical kind of challenges you face. Like for example, I would imagine, especially considering you've got some controversial stuff like politics that you guys cover, that you have some pretty heated dialogue on there that can get really nasty. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. And um, <laughs> it's one of the things that I, I mean, I think that the simplest way I say is if it can be a conversation, it's 
you know, it's okay. But, but personally attacking people, calling people names, um, degrading somebody for their thoughts it, without substantiating why you're feeling that way is not a conversation. It's an attack. And so what we try and really do is allow people to express themselves, to have the conversations, even if they're disagreements, but as long as they're not going down a rabbit hole that, that we, we see no end to. And so that's kind of the biggest challenge is, is what is that secret sauce that, that kind of allows that type of conversation to happen. What about spam? Um, spam is a huge issue. Now, one of the things we did um, last year, late last year, is we actually uh, made every commenter on Huffington Post um, authenticate themselves with a verified Facebook account, um, which generally helped cut down on the amount of spam and trolls that we were having on the site um, significantly because it's a lot more difficult to create a verified Facebook account than it is to create another email address. And so um, we really saw some mass improvements, but prior to that, we were seeing attacks I mean, we're with certain people creating hundreds of accounts in hours. Um, and as soon as we could ban them, they'd have another one up within seconds. And it was just absolutely a, a drain on our resources just to be able to focus on those few people that were really putting all the stress on our system. Yeah, this is a really interesting point and, and something I've been thinking about because, again, I'm on the podcast uh, with you representing the smaller blogs. <laughs> and one of the things I'm dealing with is I'm facing the, some of the same issues that you guys are, but I don't have those resources. I don't have the IT resources. I don't have the the, the amount of money to, to put into these uh, spam filters and so forth that uh, seemingly you need these days. So it's really becoming interesting, and I've been wondering, you know, are, are the bad guys winning? Are they taking the social out of social media? Because a lot of these blog comments, uh, commenting sections are becoming cesspools. And you, you need to have this human monitor, monitoring or some pretty sophisticated algorithms to help you out. And is, is it really starting to limit the capabilities for smaller companies, smaller bloggers, because we're all being attacked? Well, you know, this is a legitimate issue I want to comment on because um, I hate to say it, but I think this is part of the reason why I think, I think that the bad apple is spoiling the whole bunch in some of these cases. And what we try to do at Social Media Examiner is we have an automated moderation policy where if there's any link inside of the uh, the comment at all, it goes to moderate, moderation. So um, that's because one thing we all know is that uh, spammers want links. <laughs> so that's that's the one thing that we've been able to do. Now, dealing you know processing those moderated cues can be a problem, right? Um, but that's what we do. And I guess, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, probably, you know, uh, the same reason why, Tim, you guys authenticated them with Facebook because you want to make sure they're a real person, right? Um, do you have any thoughts, Tim, on how a smaller blog might be able to deal with, you know, the, the moderation side of this and, and, and the spam side of this? Well, yeah, and, and I think one of the things, and we're even experimenting with it on, on a couple verticals um, here currently and, and continuing to look at different ways is um, using something like Facebook comments. And you have the option to actually allow all the comments to show up, to moderate them, um, 
or to not have any of them show up, but people can still leave their comment on there. I mean, basically not having any of them show up is just not moderating any. Um, but the benefit that you get from that is that comment is still showing up on that person's newsfeed and it is still providing social referral traffic for you. So um, as a small business, this is not something that takes, it doesn't cost money um, and it, it's not a big lift. It's, it's something that if you have the technology to build your website, you have the technology to be able to put in um, Facebook commenting. And I think that's a great way for a small business to um, still get the benefit of having conversations happen on people's Facebook profile, but also still getting, um, uh, you know, still allowing you not to have that same kind of control or issue with spam because you don't have to actually moderate those comments and they will never show up on your site if you choose that. Now, Mark, are you using Discuss or Livefire or one of those guys or for your commenting system? Discuss or Discus, however you say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we use yeah. we use Discuss too, and I think it is Discuss. So I use Discuss, you know, and and I I, I like it. I think they do a, a very good job. I'm starting to see a few of the a few very aggressive, innovative spammers starting to get through some of the filters. And so I'm having to spend more time and money to work on that. But another thing, building on what Tim was saying there, I've seen a few bloggers starting to use a, a Google Plus commenting system. And um, Yeah, Martin Shervington does that. Yeah, I, I, I had my technical director looked into this, and, and she advised that it's just not ready yet, that there are, there are too many limitations right now. But that might be something to look to keep an eye on as, as, as well as the Facebook commenting system. Okay, a question for both of you guys, and I'll start with you on this, Tim. Um, well, actually, I'll start with you, and if you have something to add. How do you decide whether or not to delete a comment or not, Tim? When, do you, when does it cross the line? <laughs> we we basically have um, it, it it kind of works out to be kind of our ten commandments of of moderation, and they're all different kind of litmus tests to whether a comment is is approved or deleted. And um, with the amount of comments and the various types of topics that we're talking about, it's very difficult just to give a very generic um, overview of what we approve and what we don't approve. Um, but I will say that between what we use with our technology, um, so we are definitely the first line of defense for us is looking for specific words and word combinations or misspelling of words and characters um, that are creating bad words that we just would not want to show up on our site. Um, the second step is using that same kind of word list um, mentality in addition with our, our computer program, Julia, which can actually score the comment and be able to tell us what it is. Um, and so depending on the type of entry that we have, um, whether it's a blog or a news article, whether it's um, a sensitive piece or more just one that we know we can be a little bit freer with the comments. Um, obviously, we're going to moderate a comment on our comedy vertical a lot differently than we would on, on a parent's vertical. And so we're looking at those types of things. And then if the comment um, passes all those other tests, then it is either if it's good enough and scored well enough by Julia, we can automatically approve it on certain posts. And then on other ones, she can actually pass it to a human moderator for us to look at. And then that human moderator takes a look in the context, who it's for, and if it passes all of our litmus tests, then we go ahead and approve it. So it basically, we are not allowing personal attacks on anybody or any group. We're not uh, allowing any, any, um, any actual hate. Um, and we're not allowing any type of, um, we don't allow any comments or links with comments with links 
in any of our comments, unless if you are a pundit. And so a pundit is a status that you can approve to get to a certain level. And when you get to there, we trust you enough and you've shown us that, that you contribute to our community. So we allow your comments to have formatted text and links and everything else. And so these are, I mean, I, I know I'm not giving you a, just a really clear cut. No, answer, but this is really it, good. This is it's not clear cut, you know? <laughs> well, and you know, for what it's worth, uh, discuss D-A-S-Q-U-S, does allow some of this. For example, you can set up a restricted word list and you can say any of these words are not um, allowed and you can also blacklist and whitelist people. Um, mm -hmm. Mark, you know, when it's a legitimate but negative comment, do you ever delete it or do you always leave it up? No, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty liberal. I, I've had 30, 35,000 comments on my blog. I've only deleted 10. And of course, you know, the, the other that weren't spam obvious spam, right? Well, that's right. That aren't obvious spam. I mean, this this is beyond the spam filters. But the only the only time I will delete a comment is if it's cruel, if it's if it's a if it's a, just a flat out you know attack or a threat. Uh, if it's even like I had a comment uh, this week that the person was really kind of nasty, and I and I said, geez, you know, um. It's too bad you had to say this in an unkind way because you really do have a good point here. And the guy came back. He said, you know, I'm sorry for that. I didn't really mean to be unkind. Uh, occasionally, if it's, if it's mostly a good comment, but it's, it starts out kind of spammy, I, I might even edit the comment and then say, respond and say, I edited this comment because it was just a, you know, it was a great comment. But then you also had this, it was, a, it was an attack or if it, or, or if it was... Um, uh, or you were trying to sell something. Um, I also draw the line if, if people would start getting into it, attacking each other on the blog. I'll just I'll say, look, I'm going to cut this off. This is not a democracy, and I'm, this right. is not the tone I'm going to have here. We're going to stop this right now, and if you keep it going, I'll delete. So I've, I have a, I have a pretty, liberal, pretty liberal policy. Okay, so you know, there's a lot of reasons why, and just to kind of summarize, people might want to shut off comments. Um, they may not want to deal with the negative criticism. They may, they may not want to be a police force and have to deal with you know these kind of uh, bantering back and forth. They may not have the bandwidth to um, to moderate aggressively. They may just be sick of spammers. But you know, given all of this, Mark, what are your thoughts? Should a smaller blog um, shut down their comments? What you know? What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I started off the podcast by talking about some of the amazing benefits that can be created by comments, but I think it just gets down to it, it's driven by economics. And somebody asked me the other day, you know, at what point would it get to a place where you would shut down your comments, and if it would get to a point where. Um, it was just, just getting too overwhelming. If I became the Elvis of blogs <laughs> and I couldn't keep up anymore, I had to moderate uh, some way. Or if the spammers just take over and the, and the economic cost, there is a cost to this. I mean, make no mistake about it. There are lots of benefits, but once the, the cost of this would outweigh the benefits, and then yeah, I think you need to make a smart decision. And hopefully we're a long way from that, Mike. I want to transition over to talking about how to manage comments a little bit. And Tim, I, I don't want you to reveal too much, but if you can give us a little peek behind the curtain so that maybe th those that are listening that have a smaller blog, which is the whole world, <laughs> uh, can get a feel for how you manage what you guys do on the comment side. 
Can you share yeah. a little bit? Well, you know, I think one of the, and, and this can go for any type size business, is really look at some members that are really active in your commenting community that, that are in there for the right reasons. And, you know, we call these our pundits. And I even out of our group of, of our tens and, and hundreds of thousands of, of commenters, there's only a couple hundred that are actually pundits. And out of that couple hundred, there's probably a few dozen that I actually talk to and interact with on a pretty regular basis. Those are the ones that are active in the comments. So they're seeing things that our moderators don't see from the moderating platform. They're seeing it from the front end. And so they're able to actually see things happening that we're not. And they know how to have the conversations with other commenters to kind of bring them back and check. I, I think you were saying that, Mark, how you kind of play that role. But really, you can find members of your community that can actually start doing this. And um, it's been very successful and very powerful for us to kind of um, have peer voices in there instead of the brand voice coming in and kind of playing patrolman. We actually have the community members actually trying to help moderate the conversation flow in the comments. That is awesome. And, you know, you can... Um you can elevate, you know, in most of these systems, people to moderator status, you know, and maybe they're not, uh, you know, you have some agreed upon understandings that uh, their main thing is to just, you know, go ahead and interact. You know, what's, what I love about this, and Michael Hyatt does this over at his blog, um, michaelhyatt.com. He has a community of about a dozen people that, um, that he's gotten to know and love that have been active members of his community for a while. And he has them profiled somehow on his site. And these people are there interacting on every blog post on behalf of the team, even though they're volunteers. And the benefit for them is they get a chance to get high exposure and get in front of an audience that is an audience that they're interested in. And I love that idea. And I think that's just kind of really comes down to, you know, empowering members in, in your community and kind of throwing a badge on them and, and, and they'll step up, and it sounds like they play a really key, key role for your organization, Tim, don't they? Absolutely. Um, Mark, is there anything in particular that you do to manage comments on your end? Well, again, I, I've done the same thing that you've done, Mike. Uh, unfortunately, because of the increase in the level of spam, um, I've had to limit uh, the comments that have links attached. And I, I, I just made that change about a month ago. And sure, every once in a while, something would sneak through that's obvious spam, but I'm getting so much now that I've had to to do that. And it's a shame because uh, a lot of my commenters uh, are, are adding a link in a legitimate way. They want to share something. They want to uh, shine a light on something that has a, a, a legitimate insight. And so now that takes extra work because um, – I don't want those people to think that their comments have disappeared, so I want to pre—I want to approve them rather quickly. So, other than, um, I mean, I'm—I'm I'm so fortunate that generally, I have a very respectful community. I have a community that just doesn't leave comments like a uh, hey, great post, great job. They really add insight, and so. You know, 95% of the time, I can just let it go. I can just trust with what's going on. Um, unfortunately, I've had to add that um, that link filter. And as I said, the only time I take aggressive action is if it's attack, and that is very rare. Tim, one of the arguments that we've heard from um, those that have shut down their blogging is that the the real dialogue doesn't happen on our blog. It happens in the social networks. What are your thoughts? Is there any risk to... Um, 
Any any risk to kind of relinquishing control of of dialogue on your platform to a network that you ultimately don't really have that much control over? What are your thoughts? Well, I think if if we're naive enough to think that that conversation is not going to happen, if if we remove our comments, we're we're not being uh, <laughs> being wise to what's really happening out in the marketplace today, because people are having these conversations on their social channels, regardless of if we have a, a commenting platform or not. So, um, relinquishing control, we've we've done that whether we wanted to or not a long time ago, but we are actually embracing that. We see and we call kind of social is the new front page for us. So people are actually finding our content via all the people sharing on social, which is driving referral traffic back to our site. So those conversations are happening on social platforms, and we're continually looking at different ways that we can kind of utilize that and capture that so that the conversation is happening, whether it's on our site or on somebody's social profile. Mark, what's your I don't, thoughts? Well, you know, I, I'm glad you asked me. I, I was going to chime in anyway, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know what, it, it kind of just drives me nuts that, that, that people would, would use that as a reason to discontinue comments. Well, the conversation is happening uh, someplace else, and we don't necessarily think our blog is the right place for comments. The reason that drives me nuts is, is that seems disrespectful to the commenters that, number one, say, well, look, if, if you want to you know, find the conversation, you've got to go someplace else. Go look for it because you're not going to find it here. And by the way, we're making the judgment that this isn't the best place to comment. You've got to go do it someplace else. I just don't see that as a legitimate uh, reason to, uh, to get rid of your comment system. I think if, you, if you're looking at this like a business, you want to do everything you can to honor your customer, to make it easy for your customer to interact with you, to engage with you in whatever way they choose. Maybe it's on Twitter, maybe it's a blog comment, but let them choose. At least give them the option to keep this, the, the string of the comments in one place. I mean, I think that is the, the first thing we ought to look at is let's be helpful, let's be kind, let's honor our customers and our commenters by making it easy for them. I don't think that's an excuse to get rid of comments. Well, and here's my thoughts on this. I think it's a slippery slope. I think that um, if you, and by the way, I acknowledge what you said, Tim, is absolutely true. They're going to have dialogue wherever they want to have dialogue, and it's already happening. Um, and you know they may have a negative reaction and may not feel comfortable posting it on your post and might instead link to it with a comment somewhere else and start a dialogue. But if you are using the reason to not have comments is that they're not having them on your site, they're going to have them elsewhere, then why even have your site? Why not just copy your entire article and publish it on Facebook? Why not copy the entire article and publish it on Google Plus? I think that that's the slippery slope because in the end, we have a destination for a reason. Um, in the case of Huffington Post, I'm sure it's because you guys are, that's how you make all your money is getting people to your site so that you can sell advertising. In the case of Social Media Examiner, if we can't get them to the site, then we can't get them to get on our newsletter, which means they ultimately probably don't become customers. And I would imagine it's a similar situation for you, Mark. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of the dialogue that happens, happens on the social network is people that never consume the content anyways. Maybe they'll read a, a headline and then they'll just Never, And they'll read the first paragraph that's pulled in by Facebook, for example. But they'll never even go and read the article. They're just commenting because someone else commented. And I'm wondering whether or not that's even real legitimate discussion. I don't know. What do you guys think, Mark? 
I, I think that's a very real problem. And I, I, I love the way you've characterized it as well, is that, look, the, your, your blog and your website, it's the only thing you own on the web. Why would you abdicate that very important voice of authority to Facebook or Google Plus or send the conversation someplace else? If there's one thing you need to own on the web, it ought to be your voice. It ought to be your voice of authority that you're creating, the content that fuels the rest of the social web. We don't know what's going to happen to Facebook in the future or Google Plus or LinkedIn in the future. The only thing you own, the only thing you control is your website and your community. And I think that's really where the focus should be. Tim, you have any thoughts or anything you want to add on that? Well, I just, I mean, I definitely agree that it's important to remember our, our community. We want to be open. We want to be receptive to them. And it's also something I think we need to pay attention to the fact, too, that a lot of people, I think the bigger your site gets, um, the bigger of a platform and, and notice it gets. So you do attract probably all the people that started with you at the beginning were in it for the right reasons. I think the bigger you get, you start to attract attention that you don't necessarily want to attract and want to have be the representative voice of your brand. And so it just, it's, it's, kind of a balancing act to try and make sure that you're keeping content that kept people coming and keeps people coming and not have it be deterred by by people that are not in it for the right reasons and just taking advantage of what you've built up over the years. Well, folks, there you have it. Um, very interesting perspectives from three different bloggers about comments and um, content and social networks. And um, I just want to say thank you, Mark and Tim. Mark, let's start with you. Um, where can folks discover more about you and your blog? Well, just about everything about me is on my website, Businesses grow.com. I never would have called it Schaefer because people can't spell Schaefer, even when you spell it for them. <laughs> so it's uh, businessesgrow.com. You can find my podcast, my blog, and lots of free uh, resources to help you on your social media journey. Mention the name of your podcast real quick. The Marketing Companion. I do that with my, with my dear friend, Tom Webster. Excellent. Tim, where can folks discover more about you and whatever else you've got going on? Absolutely. Well, the best way to find me, obviously, is at Huffington Post, and I am just HuffingtonPost.com uh, forward slash Tim dash McDonald. And uh, fortunately, most people can spell my name pretty well, so <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, and then um, I would also say that you can find out about me and what we do in community management. It's a community for community managers over at uh, MyCMGR.com, which is my community manager over there. And I am most accessible on all the social networks, but if you just do at T.A. McDonald on Twitter, you can almost always find me there. Tim and Mark, I know I speak for a lot of people that are listening right now. Thank you both so much for your time today. It was extremely valuable. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's interview. A couple quick updates for you. First of all, the show notes, which is where we take all the notes, so you don't have to, can be found at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 92. And that's where you'll find all the links to everything we talked about today. Also, if you're a listener on iTunes or in Stitcher Radio, would you do me a favor and consider giving us a rating and or a review? Uh, what it does is it helps basically us get discovered by new people and helps us continue to grow. You can do so by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button and give us a rating and a review or socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. Also, 
If you are thinking about wanting to possibly be a sponsor for this podcast, we're currently entertaining this idea for a very limited amount of time. Uh, email Emily at socialmediaexaminer.com to find out details. Emily at socialmediaexaminer.com. Well, this has bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.